This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good. <laughs> Without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network NBA podcast, NBA Finals edition, coming to you before game four. We're recording this on Tuesday night, so if you wake up on Wednesday and someone's leg has fallen off, we do not know about it as of yet. Joining me as always, Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson. A couple of reminders. Also, one, everything that we talk about today, you can find on the Action Network app. is the best way to track your picks. It's the best way to get the update information on where the money is coming in, how the lines have moved, all that information, what our model says. Plus, you can get great information, uh, all of our content and analysis, everything from Raheem looking at historical data and the trends and what his model says, to Brandon, who wrote, I kid you not, like 1,700 words on all of the series props that are going to be completely outdated in two days because he's just that dedicated. You want to get in on those bets before game four. Um, I'm going to quibble with some of them here on the podcast. You can find that on the app. Make sure to check that out. Reminder that all of the odds that we talk about today are provided by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Also... If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to be on the lookout in the next coming weeks as we're going to be launching an all NBA feed multiple times a week where I'm going to drag Brandon and Raheem, despite the fact that they need a break from doing everything. I'll be dragging them on uh, as well as we'll have guests. We'll do all other stuff. I am got to tell you guys, it's weird. I'm so ready for the season to be done. I'm so ready for an actual off season, but I'm also kind of like excited to get into free agency and start looking at futures bets for next year. I'm like starting to think about all the ways that, that we can make money next year. So I'm excited about all those. Make sure to do that. But let's start today. Bucks win game three. I did hedge. I'm done with that after, after the last game. I decided that that was ultimately a bad move by me that I got too rattled. I was too on tilt after the game two shooting performance. And I should have, should have simply said like, look, there was probably going to be a game that the Bucks should have won that they were going to lose at some point in this series. And that was it. And should have stuck with my idea that the Bucks were going to win game three. I don't know about game four. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be, I think on a lot in, in multiple places with where the series is Raheem. Let's check in with you first um, for starters. Do you think that there's any value to be had playing any of the sides props or angles or particularly on game four, like where, if you were putting money in, if you're planning on putting money in, if you have put money in, where's the value? I'm Honestly, I'm struggling with the value, but at least for game four, but I think the value might be in taking the bucks to win this series. To me, they did a lot of things that were sustainable and Phoenix right now. It's, I mean, for me, when I look at this series, it comes down to whether Aiton can stay on the floor. And Giannis is just taking over, and he's clearly the best player in this series. So if he gets anything from Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, they can win every one of these games because, you know, the Suns are living on mid-range jump shots and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and that's a skill for them. But – the Bucs are getting to the lane at will. I mean, and it's not just Giannis. So I think every bit of that is sustainable. They could easily win 
the next two games. Um, I mean, I just right now I, I, I hate to overreact to one game, but the Bucks look like they're primed to take the series. And then also, one of the things that's interesting to me is the scheduling. If this game had been tonight, I would have felt a little different. But we got two days off between each game, so the attrition on the Bucks isn't as as deep as we thought it would be with this, you know, short roster. I'm with you. So there's a, a bunch of stats I found today when I started digging in and I've got two pieces up one about where to bet. And we'll, we'll talk about that, about where I think the value is, but the other one is just like a deep dive on like where the series is at and things to think about. Here's what's kind of surprising. The bucks have a higher expected shot quality through three games than the Suns that really surprised me that honestly the but so here's one the Suns had the lowest expected shot quality of any game in the series in game two and the highest actual so they literally had the worst expected outcome and the best actual outcome so far in the series um with Giannis and Bobby Portis together which is obviously working. They're doing that. They're trying to, to pair up those minutes in a lot of the non-eight minutes. The Bucks are plus 35.9, holding Phoenix to an 85.4 offensive efficiency and scoring 121 themselves. They have a 32% offensive rebound rate and are a- averaging 25 second chance points per 100 possessions with Giannis and Portis on the floor in this series. Um the Bucks through through three games have an offensive rating of 114. The Suns have an offensive rating of 114.3. Like the Suns, I still think game two is pivotal, but I do think that a lot of things are turning in the Bucks direction. And Brandon, at this point, I'm sure that there are counters. I'm not sure how many counters the Suns have left given the injury to Dario Saric, I don't know how many more adjustments they're going to be able to make. I think at this point, it really is just going to be about, can they get a spectacular game from Devin Booker to assure that there will at least be a game seven? Yeah. We, we talk about, you know, what are the coaching adjustments versus what are the actual rational coaching adjustments that are going to happen? And sometimes we, you know, we, we, we think that, okay, well, this team should just do this. That's easy. And, but they don't always do it. The problem this time is, is what you're saying. I agree with it, which is I, I'm not sure what the adjustment is here for Phoenix. Like, I don't know what the move is against, against Giannis. Like, first place, more DeAndre Ayton. Obviously, we know that. But you, you can't just do that. There's only six fouls. And he used them up real fast. So hopefully that doesn't go so quickly in future games. But they, they obviously need more minutes. Uh, before, the, the, before the series, I wrote a piece uh, ranking the importance of the players from each team. And I, I talked with Matt before. And I initially had had uh, DeAndre Ayton like seventh or eighth on my list or something. And Matt, you had him like third. I feel like he's second. Like yeah. Giannis is still number one, mm-hmm. but... He's like, he's like one B he's tied to Giannis and he's so important to what they're doing right now. They got to have him out there. So I guess there's that adjustment, I guess, you know, give him the, all the minutes he can have, but beyond that, 
you can't do anything schematically or with your play. Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, like Mikel Bridges, they're doing all they can. They're they're defending as well as they can. It's just Giannis. And when he's playing like this, I don't know what the adjustment is. Like, it's not like you can just hope for the shooting variance to even out. He's dunking over you every time. There's no variance on dunking. I mean, uh, to be fair, the, the variance on free throws should even out. So I guess, I guess that would be the top thing is stop fouling maybe as much, but I don't even, as I'm saying that, like, well, no, except if he's going to dunk, definitely foul because he's going to get a less expected value on whatever free throws, whatever he's shooting. Uh, But He's got, I think, 24 out of 35 free throws the last two games. Neither one of those numbers is sustainable. He's not going to keep shooting 17 and a half free throws a night. It's just too many. It can't stay that high. He's not going to keep hitting like 70% of them. We know this. So that alone is going to drop his scoring average a little bit, take away some of those points probably. But yeah, overall, it's, it's hard to think about right now is is there some sequencing or recency bias in this or is it that the bucks have found something but it really feels like if you could take away game one and just take games two and three or if the bucks had actually won that game two that we all agreed they probably should have in either one of those scenarios i think we would all be feeling really strongly about the bucks right now um, if, if the series started over right now, new series, seven games, Phoenix home court, the whole works, I would pick Milwaukee. I think the wow. problem is that mm-hmm. Phoenix is still up two to one and they yeah. still have home court. And so then you've got a pretty even series. And I think it's, we haven't had a close game yet per se. I think they've all been double digits, but it's, it's been awesome and so much fun to watch everything happen. So a couple of things here. I, I think one, we talked about how after game two, we were like, no, well now they got to win four or five from Phoenix. Okay. So they win, they win game, they win game three. So now as they got to win three of four from Phoenix, if they win the next one, it's, can you take two of three from Phoenix and you only got to get one on the road? Like you can lose game five, come back and win game six. And then you still got a chance in seven. Um, which is why, which is why um, the bookmakers are, are, they're just, it turns out they're very good at their jobs, just impressively good at their jobs. The, the, the bookmakers, um, especially on the NBA. So bucks plus one and a half is actually juiced minus it's minus one twenty. So think about that. We got bucks are plus two twenty five on the series line, which I think is, is like a sign of, of how much, they are protecting themselves against Bucks positions and plus one and a half. So for basically for them to win the series or four, seven, you have to lay 20 cents. That to me was, I, I, I try and look at these things and try and figure out from the perspective of the bookmakers, where do they want and not want the money, right? Like where are they disincentivizing you? And they're definitely right now disincentivizing to me, Raheem, like, um, I talked about, I wrote an article on Tuesday talking about this, that if you're going to bet the Bucks, don't bet them plus 225. Mm-hmm. Just bet Giannis to win MVP. 
because you're getting 225 on the series price and Giannis at plus 240. And you find better numbers out there as well. And oh, if you're yeah, going to yeah. bet the if you're going to bet the Suns, don't bet yeah. the series line either at minus 275, bet Chris Paul at minus 165, you get 17% EV on that. So like that's where the, like the edge is. Either way that you want to bet the series, don't mess with the series line. And I also would say don't even mess with like I don't think there's any value to be had on the spread, the series spread at this point. Like mm-hmm. either bet it game by game, take the MVPs, or go outright. Because like here one of the the, the in order for them to get it wrapped up is the for the Suns to win in five, which is the minus two and a half, which we had talked about early in the series. So I want to go back to this. I want to warn us collectively against not overreacting because like our podcast before, after game two was like, what are the bucks going to do? Like, they're just screwed. Like they should have won that game and they lost it. Like, how are they going to do this? Like they just won't shoot. And now after they win one game where they shoot well, and the Suns finally don't shoot well, even though Jay Crowder could like at some point, the Jay Crowder variance is going to come back down and the Cam Johnson variance is going to come down, down just like a little bit. And then the Suns are going to be in a tight spot, but then you expect Devin Booker to probably have one game here out of the next four in the next, before the end of the series for him to have another, but I am kind of like thinking like, okay, are we swinging back the other way? Not now too much. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering the same thing, but I feel like the bucks really still haven't completely swung into gear yet. Like Chris Middleton was good in the first half, but we haven't seen that Chris Middleton game that I feel like is coming. Right. And I, I just, I feel like, you know, you mentioned this earlier. It's like people want to see dominance from the Bucks, But this team just kind of figures out a way to, to get it done. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that. And, you know, sometimes you just want to see a team show a little bit of life. And they did that in that second quarter with that 30 to nine run. So here, it's, it's um... kind of, here, here's here's one stat that I really wish that I had actually looked at before game three. Cameron Payne in the playoffs, in the restricted area, in the restricted area on layups at home, 67.7%. On the road in the restricted area, 32%. Campaign shoots 30% basically at the rim on the road. The splits are it's crazy wild. Um, wow. Suns fans were very quick to point out like some of this is influenced by the injury that he suffered, the ankle, and now he hasn't been the same. But we even saw it in this last game after he's had some time to get over that injury. That's like a, a huge deal for them, right? Because and, and this this dovetails with the Sarich thing. We talked a lot about the depth of the Suns and how big of a factor that was, right? Like, oh, they've got Cam Johnson and they've got Cameron Payne and they've got like, you know, and like all these guys that can hit you in all these different ways. And one of the things that I had said about them was so impressive is there wasn't a guy that you could really target. You couldn't, there wasn't like a weakness you could really go at. And that was true until Dario Saric got hurt. And now 
you know, Brandon talked about Aiden's fouls. This is like this is a monster deal. Yeah. Is if Aiden gets in foul trouble, they have nothing they can do to stop Giannis. They can't play Kaminsky. He gets destroyed in space. They've tried first. They tried Tory Craig at five. Nope. Then they went to Jay Crowder in the last game, and Giannis just annihilated him. I mean, just like Jay was playing great defense and just like destroyed him. Mm. So. Like that to me is like a big adjustment that's coming. Is like all of this. This said, I'll tell you where I'm. Where I'm going to bet. I'm taking Suns plus the four and a half tomorrow mm. because I'm expecting a tight game. I just like honestly, I think four and a half is too many points, even with free throws. I think we're gonna. I think we're due for an absolutely ugly rotten Suns can't score at home bucks can't shoot because bucks grind it out exhausting tough calls can't get a whistle ugly ass game i like the Suns and the under tomorrow just because i would have liked you know i i I think that tomorrow's like honestly my biggest concern with the under is is overtime that's my big concern tomorrow is that it's going to go under and then overtime is going to hit Brandon. Like that's, that's where I'm at right now is I don't want to bet this. This is a rare instance where I don't think there's value on betting the Suns to win, but I do think that, that I want to bet against the spread because I think we're looking at a close game. So all of that makes sense in theory to me, but let me, let me push back a little bit by interpreting what that then means. I think that what you're saying is that you feel like the Bucks are probably going to win, but it's going to be a very close game. So the Bucks win by four fewer points. That's, that's basically the bet that you're making, correct? Right. So how good do you feel about this Milwaukee team winning a game by a bucket down the stretch? Like uh, now, now we haven't seen clutch time yet between these teams. We haven't seen a close one. So now you've got the Giannis free throws thing in play. And now you've got Chris Paul, like the God of clutch time in play. Do you really feel good about the Bucks actually having to win that one score game down the stretch? Because to me, I agree theoretically with what you're saying. I also think the Bucks find a way tomorrow, but if I think they find a way, I think that I might have to bet them to cover because I don't think I trust Milwaukee to win that close game by a bucket. This is why the line's annoying. Again, I don't like how good the <laughs> odds makers are at this. Because yeah. like the money line's minus one eighty five. If I had this at like one fifty, I'm probably looking at Bucks money line. Yeah, but I don't. I've got to, I don't want to. I don't like laying one eighty five on this right. So so let me ask this. I'm going to push back a little bit, Matt, on what you said before your article about. Uh, the, the, the angle of betting the series is to bet the finals MVP. And I'm pushing back on myself on this too, because we literally just talked about this the other day and I agreed fully with the point, but let me give one angle on each side that you could play instead. That gives you a slightly better play. So right now at BetMGM, you can bet Milwaukee to win game four and the series yeah. at plus 260. So you're, mm. th- that's versus 240 for Giannis MVP. And what yeah. is it? 205 for the series. 
do we not agree that if Milwaukee, Milwaukee has to win game four to win the series, they're, yeah. they're not going down three, one, and then ripping off three in a row twice on the road. We all agree with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if, so they have to, if Milwaukee's going to win the series, they have to win game four. And then that's a better play at the 260 if you want to take the buck series and i and i think actually i agree with what raheem said like to me i don't have a pick for i mean I, my my game four pick is, is a prop I, I i just don't want any part of it i don't know if it's over under i don't know it's phoenix milwaukee i would lean in milwaukee money line but the value is not really there but i, I do think that at, at plus 260 that's basically saying that and what is that something like 27 percent implied to win the series. And I just think with what we're seeing at Milwaukee right now in these last two games, I think it's maybe I'd put it closer like 35 or something. Well, let's, I mean, let's get longer here. Um, You talked about Milwaukee in six on the last podcast. I personally don't think there's any way that the Bucks win four straight. Are you in a place where you think that it's still on the board, Brandon? I do think it's on the board because I think it's, it's the same, I would make the same argument that you did a bit ago, which is the idea of winning four straight seems outlandish, but so did the idea of winning four out of five right up until it's no longer four out of five. Now it's three out of four and then you win one and then it's two out of three. So it's the same thing. It's well, can they really win four in a row? No, it seems crazy, but now they only need three in a row and we're saying, we think they're going to win tomorrow. Now you only need two in a row and one of those is the game five. That's the pivotal. That's the road one. You win that one. Now you're actually favored sizably. You have all the momentum. You've looked good four games in a row. Like it's, yeah, it, it seems crazy that you have to win four in a row, but you don't have to win four in a row anymore. You only have to win three more in a row. The first one already happened. So it's the same logic that we can use on the four out of five or that sort of thing. Like, I don't think that the value is there anymore. It was, 1200 when we talked about it coming into game three and it's cut in half now to 600 right so i don't i don't know i would take bucks and seven over bucks and six given the two options but i think i'd rather just not mess with it like to me my fear about bucks and six not happening if they would win the series is that there are presumably three or four games left in the series then and i still don't trust the bucks enough to not just lay a complete egg in one out of those three or four games offensively like shoot like 20% and that's just that. Well, I think the big thing for me is like when I look at this Bucks team, they're dominating the offensive rebounds. Like they don't even have to shoot as well. And I think outside of that outlier game and game two, it's like that's making a drastic difference. I'm not going to lie. I, I just – I kind of get Raptors-Bucks vibes from this series. The Bucks do get jumper heavy. Like both these teams get jumper heavy. Like that's one of the problems is – like Aiden was dominant in that first half and he only played five minutes second half, but because of foul trouble and Monty basically pulled the plug like that, that needs to be like stressed here is that Monty pretty early in this game, like second half, they, they kind of came out and was like, Hey, maybe we can up. Oh, no. Okay. And at that point, like mid third quarter, when the bucks made a run, Monty Williams was like, all right, back off. Let's go circle the wagons. We're coming back for game. Like, let's try and get game four. Like that was a strategic move. Yeah. Not playing Booker. Yeah not mm-hmm. having eight and foul out. Like that was a strategic, my guys are tired. They got this one. Right. We thought they'd get this one. Let's regroup and go back for game four. Yeah. And, and let's not forget too, 
like it, it's overlooked now because we remember the 30 to nine run to end the half for Milwaukee and 16 0 to end the third quarter for Milwaukee. Well, that's 37 points in Milwaukee's favor. They didn't win by 37 because yeah. don't forget in between those two runs, Phoenix made their run. Cam Johnson mm-hmm. dunked PJ Tucker into oblivion. Like Mikhail Bridges had that weird play where he stole the tip and just had like an uncontested dunk on the other end. They cut it down to like four or five at one point. And honestly, it would have, they probably would have taken the lead. It's just that while that was happening, I think like Drew Holiday and, and Pat Connaughton hit yeah. a couple threes and kept yeah. things afloat just enough. Mm-hmm. And then it flipped. And it's like, you know, you use all your energy on that run. And then Milwaukee suddenly had their energy run. And then it was right back to where it was. And then they pulled the starters. So, I mean, so, good. DeAndre, I mean, DeAndre had foul trouble at that point and they, they went small and they just couldn't get a rebound. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> I don't know. These are issues that are going to present itself again. Yeah. It's that's one of those things where it's again, like, I, I don't know the solution as to that. Like Jay Crowder is already rebounding out of his mind. Aiden can only get so many rebounds. Like they're probably, it seems like they can't possibly rebound 40% of their misses. Like they basically have the last two games, but when they have these guys out there and such a big size advantage in the paint, I don't know, maybe they can. So not to get too much into the, into the, just spouting off numbers, but I did want to make this point because we're talking about where to find the best value. Brandon, instead of going game four and win the series, which we're only getting plus 270 or plus 260 on, okay. Bucks and six is plus 600. Bucks and seven is plus 500. So you put a unit on both. Your net's either plus four. You got 275 then basically, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we had that on. Uh, yeah. we, we had that one other time too. I don't know why the books keep doing that. That's very strange. I think you're right though. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. <laughs> you're either you're either plus four on bucks it, if it's if it's bucks in in seven, you're you're plus four. If it's right. bucks in six, you're plus five, even with the cost of the other bet. So if you're gonna do it, just put a unit on each, right? Yeah, I think so. Basically, when it's when it's like that, in my head, it's just you average the two numbers together and then and then cut it in half because you had to put a unit on both of them. Right. And then it comes out to 275. So you're getting, you know, extra 15 cents on your bet. So, yeah, get that before they fix it, I guess. <laughs> um, let, let me. Uh, OK, so I, I said that was my pushback to the betting Giannis rather than the series. This. So I think that's a real case. I think I think we've shown that. If you want to bet the Bucks, you've got a few other ways to do it. Definitely don't just bet Bucks series line. You clearly have better options than that. So Suns and Chris Paul. This this is going to be my my outlandish take of the podcast, I guess. But so in the past, who who wins finals MVP over the last decade? Here's who wins. It's either LeBron James or the guy who guards LeBron James, right? That's who wins finals MVP for like year after year after year. So here's my case. We're already hearing the conversation. We've already said it ourselves. Chris Paul might be the best Suns player, but DeAndre Ayton is the most important Suns player. So what happens? Giannis is playing out of his mind right now. He's having like an all-time finals. DeAndre Ayton is the only reason that stops. If, if he slows him down, so he's only putting up like 30 a game or whatever, and Aiton starts, you know, he's he's nearly leading the series in rebounds. He's almost matching Giannis. So Downrace starting putting up some like 20 and 15 lines. The Suns aren't going to have any big lines. Chris Paul's not going to win because of the stats thing. He's going to win because of the legacy and because he's CP and all that. That's not going away. 
but can DeAndre Ayton, like he's going to get, you know, he's been the story of the playoffs. He's had this big series after series for them. He's the primary defender on Giannis. If the Suns win after what Giannis has been doing, let's say Giannis has another huge game and then Ayton starts to slow him down a little bit and be productive on the other side. So right now at MGM, Ayton is 25 to one. I wouldn't bet that. But if you look around a little bit, I'm finding him at 80 to one at another book. 80 to one. That's like a one and a half percent chance. I'm just saying, could could you do the the, the Andre Iguodala sort of finals MVP here? The, nah, the defender no. of Giannis. No, okay. So this is a here, here's a misnomer. All right. You're wrong. Your premise, your central premise was wrong in that you said it's either LeBron or the guy that guards LeBron. That's actually not true. Here's here's a better way to say that. It's either LeBron or the guy that guards LeBron if the best player on the team doesn't have a great series. Right? Like, sure. who won in 2017? Durant. Who won in 2018? Durant. The guy who guarded LeBron. Stop. He didn't, Stop he didn't really guard LeBron. Stop that. Um, the guy who guards LeBron no, who happens to be Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard. But, but a lot of this really is just like Steph never really had a great final series. He didn't have one that was definably all that sure. great. You mentioned like the stats. Paul's leading the Suns in points, which by the way, yikes, but 25 per game for Paul. 8.7 okay. assists. Um with a steal per game, shooting 57, 50, 75. Those are his splits. Like, Eight. the numbers are there, too. There's just – and the other thing is, it is, a much, it is a much different deal to slow down LeBron than Giannis. For as great as Giannis has been, for as awesome as Giannis has been, you will not get the same level of respect for slowing down Giannis that you get for slowing down LeBron. Like – that's yeah. it's just a different yeah. tier because of the stuff that, that Raheem, I think very fairly talked about in terms of like, it's fun to give Raheem grief about the bag thing, but he wasn't wrong. Like Giannis is not a, Giannis doesn't have shake, you know? Yeah. Mm. This is action network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new signup offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show.
will you grant me that we, we know that NBA finals MVP is something like 10 or 11 voters usually. Right. And it happens mm. right there in the moment. Would you be shocked to find out, let's say the Suns win in six or seven. That's how we're getting a Suns finals MVP. Would you be shocked to find out that one person voted for DeAndre Ayton to win finals MVP? Yes, I would. I mean, he had okay. 10 points in game two. To be a finals MVP, you have to be consistent. He had the 22 and 19 in game one. But Matt talks about this all the time. They ignore him. If his own team ignores him, what are the voters going to do? Like they will, they will look at the numbers and like Iguodala did like hit some shots and had some scoring and Kawhi like had some score. Like there was parts of that. The other thing I think is, especially I think if you're a center, Brandon, that's like, that's like the big differential here. Right. Is like, I think in order for you to win it, if you're a center, it's going to have to be like a Rudy Gobert. That's like, he has the reputation as being a dominant defensive big man. And Aiden doesn't, doesn't have that. I think that's fair. I think built into my argument, what I, what I didn't say as part of it is that I don't feel like Chris Paul has been great the last two games. I, feel like, Drew, I feel like Drew Holiday has really taken it to him defensively. Paul has had, I think he's had 10 turnovers the last two games. He like has. He's, he's making shots. I mean, I'm not saying he's been bad or terrible. Like he's, he's, been, he's been not he had, he as had good nine, as he needs to be. He had 19 and nine on eight of 14 shooting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Chris Paul. He, he's, he's an all-time great player. I'm not saying he's been bad. I'm just saying if the Suns are going to win the series, either Giannis has to slow way down or Chris Paul has to be rem- markedly better than he has been the last two games. I think, I think the problem with your logic is that Aiton just isn't competing with Chris Paul. He's competing with Devin Booker as well. Yeah. Like even, and- if Chris, even if Chris bottomed out, if Chris just had like a rotten rest of the series and the Suns still won, your boy Jay Crowder, I think, has a better shot at it <laughs> than DeAndre. Shoot, Macau Bridges. Yeah. Ma- nah, like- no way. No chance. Nothing Macau Bridges could do the rest of the series is getting him a final. He had, tw- though, he had 20, he had 27 in game two. He had four in game three. He had 27 in game two. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, what do we talk about? It's how you do in the wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that Booker is in the running. So that's, I, I was trying to get creative, trying to see, is there any other option than Chris Paul? It's not I it's think, Chris Paul. It's Chris I think Paul. that Aiton would have a shot. I think that he would, I think at least one or two people in that scenario would give toss me, a vote give me what it, Give me a media member. You don't even have to say the specific person. Give me the type of media voter that that, that, that would do that. Do you think Zach Lowe is doing yes, that? Yes, the Zach Lowe no. voter is who's going to do Zach that. Zach Lowe's absolutely not. Zach Lowe is absolutely 100% not. Because he's voting for the CP legacy or because yeah. he just wouldn't vote for Aiden? Because, because he knows that ultimately Chris's play early on in the series in those two wins, that he was the best player overall on the winning team, that he did have that. And like the legacy thing is it's an easy out too to be like, there's no scenario. Let me put it this way. Zach Lowe is never going to be on the low post being like, being like, you know who I thought like DeAndre Aiden was just better than Chris Paul this series. Imagine him really saying that. No, he's not going to say that, but I absolutely can hear the podcast where like, I think he literally talked about it on his podcast with Arnovich today about like that, that DeAndre Aiden is the most important player to the Suns. Yeah, he could be the most important player, but he's not going to get that finals MVP vote. 
That's the difference. Like, yeah. most important player in the regular season MVP, I think, does matter. I don't think it matters for finals MVP. It's too... Yeah. Like... I, you, I don't think so either. I'm just saying, if you... I'm not taking that 25 to 1. I'm just saying... And look, I can't play any more finals MVP. I've picked like seven of them from the series. So I, I can't add any more to my position. But I'm just saying at 80 to 1, I, I can see a case to get there at 80 to 1. Just saying. Give, me, give me the case for Drew Holiday for the series assists. You, you put this one in the article. So I think that right now it's only one apart. It's CP and Holiday are only one assist apart from each other, if I remember right. And it basically... It's, it's neck and neck. Like my case is basically that I think that it's close to a coin flip holidays assists. He's consistently been hitting nine, 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 like something like seven of the last eight games. He's at nine. He had a one seven. And that was that game when Milwaukee missed every shot in the world. So I'm assuming that that was why he missed a couple of assists as well. Otherwise he's hitting nine, nine, nine every game. And then like every third game, he's getting like an 11 or 12 or something like that. Chris Paul has not hit double-digit assists in his last six games in a row. So CP is consistently getting like eight or nine, eight or nine over and over again. It's right neck and neck. I just think that the way that the numbers have looked recently, I would put them nearly even where they have been so far. But Chris Paul, you're laying real juice on Chris Paul and you're getting 115 at Drew. So it's it's basically me me saying flip a coin do you want the one at, you know, minus 130 or 115 plus? So that's the case for me. What what, what has to happen for an assist to occur? You got to make the basket. You got to make but, the basket. Uh, we, I feel pretty feel, good about passing it to Giannis. Do we feel confident about the Bucks making – make? because, like, you're right about the Giannis thing, but we also know the Giannis is going to get fouled, right? Sure. So, like, you're going to lose a lot of assists on the on the foul rate. Yeah. Which you shouldn't. That's a bad thing that they do. Like they should right. get this yeah. rack up. On yeah. The well, John Stockton would have averaged like 25 assists yep. a game then. But uh, also though, Chris Paul, I would expect will continue to be, he hasn't scored as much the last couple of da- games. And I think that we're seeing that he needs Phoenix needs him to score more. You can't assist yourself. So if Chris Paul is getting to those elbow jumpers or taking a few more shots, those are a few potential less assists he's getting to. I don't think we're thinking Holiday is going to suddenly be the guy that's pouring in all the points to get there. So I, I just think that one's going to be close. If I were setting the line, I would probably put something like Drew Holiday, maybe minus 110 or 105 or something like that. So I just think there's a, a, an edge of value there. Raheem, what do you have game four modeled at? I still like the under, I think. I like the under last game and we just scraped by on that one. The Bucks actually, should, like, they scored 120 and we still got the under. Even if you're like, well, the Suns are going to score 100 again. I don't know because the Suns really just had bad execution and took bad shots, but Jay Crowder hit everything. And even if Booker boops, boosts them up a little bit, I think you can expect a little bit of Chris Paul shot regression, just like a, maybe just like a touch. In the I have the. I have the Bucks minus three point one seven five. Okay. Over under two twenty two. Okay. So it's like right around around the market, pretty much. Yeah, but I mean, you like the over a touch. Yeah, but I, I just think, I, I, for me, when it comes to my model, I kind of have to throw it out after the first couple games, mm. just because it's just the same team playing over and over and they're making adjustments and you know a lot of these they they kind of play true to form after a while so 
it's not like a regular season game where you have two teams matching up that, you know, haven't really scouted each other. So your You're model going, is not Randy, really adjusting much from game to game, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it is, but it, my model can't tell that, you know, DeAndre Ayton. No, my model can't tell that Sarek isn't playing. Mm-hmm. And, no. you know, you have all these other minutes with Frank Kaminsky and everything like that. So, so Brandon, for your props article tomorrow, which you can find on Action Network and the Action Network app, you're taking the, the under on Giannis? I'm taking the under. Um, the, the, it's because the line is at 34 and a half, which is just a very high line for points. So now part, part of the argument is it's Giannis has only once in his career had more than 35, 35 or more points more than twice in a row. He's only ever done that once. Now that's kind of a flimsy argument because the first two games already happened. We're not betting in all three. We only need one more. So I'll point that out in itself. But before the finals, Giannis was averaging something like 28 or 29 a game. That's a lot. That's really good. That's a lot of points. It's just not 35. 35 is a lot more, a lot of points for the playoffs. Like right now, it just feels inevitable. Oh my gosh. How could Giannis possibly not score at least 35? He's been over 40 the last two games for the whole playoffs. He's only had 35 or more one other game the rest of the playoffs. He's been under in 15 out of 18 playoff games under this 34 and a half line. And to me, it's just, it, it's a math play. The The number has gone up so much. It, it's gone his, his points line has gone up eight points from game one until now. And I know part of that is because we didn't really know with the injury, what was going to come eight points though. That's like a 30% increase just because of what we saw in these two games, which just can't keep happening forever. I mean, what, what do we think it would have been if we'd known that he was going to look like this? 30? Well, I mean, the question is what this means, because we didn't know that he was going to look as good as he did in game one, but also our, what you are just insinuating with this in games two and three, he, he can't be that in all the games. Like, if that's what he is, then sure, then I'm going to lose money on it. He's going to hit the over because he's going to score 40 every game. But like, okay, so I had a few minutes before coming on here. Let me just nerd out for like one minute on Giannis stats. So I dug into some of the advanced metrics on basketball reference, just trying to figure out, okay, exactly how absurdly good has Giannis been these last couple of games. So on, on uh, basketball reference, they have a stat called BPM box plus minus is kind of one of their all in one stats. Mm-hmm. Usually if you are like a six or a seven, you're playing a, like a MVP contender level for a game. If you're like a nine or a 10, you're getting near like LeBron MJ type status. Giannis BPM, the last two games, 18.0 and 17.6, <laughs> which is an absurd oh, number. He's had 10 straight games right now of at least six BPM. And for reference, Chris Paul's BPM for the season is 4.7. Yeah. So Giannis has been absurd. His last two games, 138 and 148 offensive rating. And he's been over 67% true shooting both of those. There's another score. Uh, they have game score on there, which is kind of just like a tally of all the ways you're affecting the game. It's adding up your points, your rebounds, your shot blocks, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how to tell you what the numbers stand for here, but Giannis was at 36 and 37 on game score the last two games. It's only the ninth time in NBA history that a player at any point in the playoffs 
has had back-to-back game scores of 35. The only other time in the finals was LeBron games five and six in the 2016 finals when that, that big comeback came. No one's ever had three times in the same finals. So it, it's just an absurd, absurd stretch these last two games, which is awesome, and we should respect it. It just can't keep happening that way. It can't. See, I feel like you would have bet against Shaq in the 2000 finals. Because I would have bet the, against Shaq's points in the 2000 finals. And you would have lost. I mean, because I mean, that's essentially what we're with, witnessing right now. Like, this is prime Shaq right now. And mm-hmm. unlike with Shaq, you know, these teams had a bunch of centers sign just to, you know, get some fouls in. This team doesn't have that. I mean, when you look at cleaning the glass, even with DeAndre Ayton, the Suns were dead last in frequency at the rim. They're giving up 27.2 shots at the rim. This was during the regular season in the playoffs, everything. So the this matchup is prime for Giannis. Like, I, I just so, – I don't know why you would want to bet against that. Well, I think here – because he's betting against human achievement, Raheem Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> he's betting against superhuman achievement. Um, Raheem always says that. Um, I think what you're really trying to say here with all these stats is that the Bucks are back is what our producer meant. The Bucks are back. They are officially yes. back, no. Matt Mitchell. <laughs> no, but I will say this, though. Brandon, so I'm looking at your article. You like the Giannis under, and you like the DeAndre Aiden over points and rebounds. Explain to me how Giannis goes under – Aiden goes over and the Bucks don't win that and the Suns don't win that game. I think because it, we're we're thinking a two two binary on these. Like Giannis under does not mean Giannis had a bad game. Giannis under means Giannis 33. 34 points and he had a great game still. Right. Don Rayton's over. He nearly hit that over last game. He was only off of it by two. And he played half of the game basically. And it's like Don Rayton and it's points and rebounds for his. You can get a whole lot of rebounds and your team could lose plenty still. Like that's rebounds aren't super affecting the outcome of a game, especially, uh, you know, defensive rebounds that, that Aiden is racking up and Aiden's getting, you know, his like 10, 12, 14 points, just a lot of easy buckets near the rim that he's just been getting. So it's, it's just thinking of those independently. Like they're to me, these are not Okay. What do I think about what's going to happen in game four, Bucks, Suns, and how does that play out to Giannis's line? To me, it's a math problem. And the math says that the line is too high. And the math says that the line is too low for Aiden. And then, okay, then what happens from there? I don't know. It's, they're not independent because obviously if Giannis scores 35 or more, then the Bucks probably have a better chance to win. But if Giannis scores 35 versus 33, do the Bucks have a better chance to win? I don't know. Seems irrelevant to me. Hmm. This is a tough series. This is a yeah. like, this is, and we're at we're at a really interesting point in it. Man, I'm just I'm trying to find like the I may just wind up going with the the Bucks five and six. So there are five possible outcomes at this point: Suns in five, six or seven; Bucks in six mm. or seven. Regardless of odds, I'm not asking you to put what's the best price. Just they're all even odds. You have to pick one. What is your most likely series outcome right now? Suns and six. Suns and six, because I don't think, I think tomorrow is way too close of a coin flip. Like the paths for the Suns are so much wider. Like this game tomorrow, it's not like, well, I think the Bucks are going to take care of business. I'm like, I think this is going to be, I'm willing to be wrong, right? But I think this is just going to be an extremely intense 
close game. They can go either way. And if the Suns get the coin flip, then that's two games where they could have lost slash should have lost and won. And if you say like, well, if they lose tomorrow, aren't they done in five? I don't think so. Like I legitimately think the Bucks fight them off and get them back to six. Like I do not see Suns in five. A lot of it is, I think we have one more Booker game. I think if we have one more mid game, right? And then like, if the model is basically Bucks win a close one tomorrow, Suns game five is the Booker game. Bucks game six is the mid game. And then we get seven. That makes sense to me. But with the Bucks shooting outcomes, I'm still willing to lean towards the Suns. I'm not, I'm not, I think there's value on the Bucks because they're more than a two to one dog. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that the Suns, like I still, if, if the, the lines were even, I'm still saying that the Suns are going to win the series. Yeah. Not just because they're up two mm-hmm. one, but because of a lot of reasons, including them winning game two and a bunch of like just the shooting variant stuff. So, so what, what's your, what's your mm-hmm. second choice after Suns and six? Are you Suns and seven? Is that your next pick? No, I think it's Bucks and seven. I don't, I'm not worried about the road. Just not. I don't know why. I know how good home court's been. Maybe that's wrong. That can be just like a wrong read for me, but for whatever reason, like I can see the Bucks just like basically outlasting them because that's what they've done in all these other series, right? Is like they've taken hits and they've gotten pummeled and they've looked bad and they've been up against the ropes and all these things have gone wrong. And then like it takes a little longer than we think it should need to, but by the end of it, they're still the ones standing. Like they're just, it's very Foreman-esque, just taking the beating and wearing you down. That's that's a lot of it. Raheem, what, what's your inclination on that? I'm going to go Suns and seven and Bucks and six. I, I know it's crazy. I just no, think either the Bucks have figured something out, they just continue to just dominate in the paint over the next couple, couple, couple of games, or the Bucks just get tired. Game seven, they just kind of hit a wall from, mm-hmm. I don't want to say they played with their food, but they had a lot of tough series. And I just think at some point it could come back to bite them. And we all know game sevens are ugly. I'm trusting Chris Paul and Devin Booker to hit those tough mid-range shots in, in, in game seven at home. So I know this year has been a little different for game sevens. You know, the home team wins game seven 71% of the time. And the Bucks have won a game seven. The Hawks have won a game seven on the road. So, but I, I just, there's no way I would be willing to bet against Chris Paul in a game seven at home for his first <laughs> NBA title. Which is funny because like everyone is like the joke with him has always been that he's a choker. I don't think he is, but that's just kind of. I mean, he hit the he hit the game winner against the Spurs in 2014. Sure did. That was I mean that was the same night as the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. Yep. Uh, My top pick right now I think would be Suns and seven, and then Bucks and seven, and I would actually put Bucks and six after that. The way that the books rank it right now, so Matt, your Suns and six pick is actually the least likely Suns outcome according to the books. So their ranking and the Suns outcomes are really close. Their rankings uh, at BetMGM right now, Suns and seven is plus 260. Suns and five plus 275. Suns and six plus 300. So the books are, uh, BetMGM is basically saying, we think the Suns will win, but we have literally no idea how many games it's going to take. It's just any one of these three. Yeah. And then Bucks and seven plus 500. Bucks and six is the least likely outcome, which makes sense. That's 600. So to me, the, the box, box options are the two lowest at BetMGM. For me, those are my second and third highest picks. 
And when I saw that, that's when I was like, okay, well, then I think that I need to bet the Bucks series some way because that's how I'm leaning. And I feel like all three of us seem like we are expecting the Bucks to win tomorrow. So I think that that's how we bet that. I'm not sure we still know, but I think that that's where we're leaning on the series as a whole. I mean, I think the, the question is, you know, Matt, you know, he said we're going to get one more mid game. We're going to get one more Booker game. But how many Scott Foster games are we going to get? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just have this. I, I got this feeling they're going to give him seven. Just it's, <laughs> it's the morning of game seven and everyone just loses their mind. And they know it's coming because he hasn't been in the rotation. Yeah. Well, yeah, if that's part- the case, if that's the case, then the Suns have to win tomorrow, too. Because we need not just Scott Foster, Game 7, Chris Paul. We need Chris Paul to have be in the process of blowing a 3-1 lead. lead. 3-1, down to Game 7, Scott Foster, 12 in a row, Chris Paul for the legacy. We need the whole thing. Here's part of it, though. They may put, honestly, because of all the Scott Foster stuff and because it's kind of embarrassing, they may push Foster's rotation and be like, let's put it as late as possible in case the series wraps. Only then you have Scott Foster refing the single most important game of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, but these games, you know, we're, we're spreading them out. Two games in between. Like, can we just, can, can Scott Foster just get a little rest? Can he go like a back-to-back here? Let's just get Scott go. out there. Not, knock it out. Just get him out of the rotation. Before we go, <laughs> report out today from Sean Serenia of The Athletic that the, and I, like, this has been out there. I'd heard this and didn't, I haven't talked with anybody in the Sixers organization, so I'm not going to report it. But, like, this has been talked about in league circles. Ben Simmons has been made available to no surprise, and they are asking for an all-star back. So the big thing is, if you're betting it, you should take off like the Thunder and all of those rebuilding teams, like the Cavaliers. Like if they want an actually good player back, you're pretty much looking at like Boston, Washington, Golden State. That's like the value if you're betting Ben Simmons futures. Like, come on now, Kevin Love, mm. all-star Olympian Kevin Love. Come on. All-star oh D'Angelo Russell. How about all-star D'Angelo Russell? I'm not ready to talk about Team USA yet. Do you guys have any sort of like lightning takes that you need to get out? Who are we betting in, in the Olympics? If we're, if we like, I, here's the problem is like, they're still minus 390 and they won tonight. Right. It's like, we still, no. we still can't get like, that's, I was hoping they would just lose, lose all the friendlies and we mm-hmm. could just come back in heavy on Team USA, but we're not going to get it. I mean, is there anybody we truly really respect? I mean, even with them losing last night, they were up nine at halftime. I think they're going to lose another one this week. So that we play Australia and then Spain. I think those are probably the two toughest teams to play. Mm. We don't have Holiday and Booker and Middleton. That clearly matters right now because we got Darius Garland and Sadiq Bey instead. Keldon Johnson, mm. like, sorry, but no. So I think they're going to lose one more. So I think if you do want to bet against your homeland, you need to wait because I think they're going to lose one more still. And, and also, the opening group game for Team USA is a week from Sunday. So it's Sunday morning at like 6 a.m. or something, our time. NBA Finals, if it goes 7 and Thursday night, if that's the case, there's no chance. Thursday night to Sunday morning in Tokyo on the other side of the world, Holiday and Middleton and Booker ain't playing in that game. And who are we playing? France. France is good. France has real players. France has Rudy Gobert. France has a bunch of NBA players. Like that would be, and now that game matters. Now it's a group game. Now it's an actual Olympics game that we could lose. Like for all the hand wringing, we don't lose Olympics games only in 2004. 
I, I think the American odds are going to drop still. I think they may lose a game this week, and I wouldn't be too shocked to see them lose that France game. That doesn't mean they're out. It's group play. They can still come back and get back into it later. But I think that if you want to bet against them, you're going to have a better chance to do it later. Well, wouldn't it be also the same true if you want to bet on them, right? Like if we wait for that France mm-hmm. game, they lose that France game. Yeah. Close yeah. turnaround. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And then and then we and then after that we come back in on Team USA after the odds get down somewhere lower. Yeah, that's that's a good mm-hmm. point. And at the end of the day, we still have like I don't like the roster construction. I don't agree with some of the choices. We still have Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard. Yeah. Like just those yeah. two alone should get the job done. They haven't yet, but like clearly the guys are a little winded. They're, they're like these other teams have been practicing together. They know each other. They've been running plays. Like they've been it's not a fair fight right now. And it's also not a fair fight because we got all of our NBA guys. Like it goes both ways, but some of that stuff is going to even out and we're still going to have Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard when it matters. So the sky's not totally falling. It is a concern though. All right. It's going to wrap it up for the action network podcast, NBA edition. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out everything in the app. Make sure to visit MGM, the official odds provider of the action network. Make sure to check out heat check at seven 30 on Wednesday when you're listening Eastern. to this on Wednesday, seven 30 mm-hmm. heat check action network HQ. Also, uh, if you're, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I want to hear uh, your victory laps. So if you've been betting in the finals, if you're making money, if you got a big prop is coming, come through, if you bet sons to win the title months ago, hit us at action network HQ at action network HQ on Twitter with the hashtag victory lap. I want to see those victory laps on Twitter for Brandon Anderson, Raheem Palmer on that more. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to stay tuned throughout the week for more NFL coverage as it gets started. Training camp just around the corner, PGA, everything coming at you on the Action Network podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Action Network podcast, NBA edition. We're finished talking.